Snowman Podcast. Welcome back to the Snowman Podcast. I'm your host, as always, the Snowman. Well, Merry Christmas, folks. I hope you're having a wonderful Christmas season thus far. For me and for many others, Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year. A time for reflection, a time for prayer. It's also a time for gathering with friends and family, watching holiday movies, singing Christmas carols and songs, exchanging gifts, and looking at Christmas displays. Some of my fondest memories are of Christmas time. I always love seeing Christmas light displays that people put up in their yards, or going to Christmas towns like Winterfest in Ocean City, Maryland. Now that's a tradition I love a lot. But Christmas is more than all that. For it's also a time to reflect on the greatest gift mankind has ever received, the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The creator of the heavens and the earth came down to earth and was born to save us from eternal death, a gift that would be fulfilled on Good Friday and would be capitalized on Easter Sunday. But that's getting a little ahead of the story, wouldn't you say? So today, I wanted to do something a little different. Instead of focusing on, say, the historical aspect of Christmas, I thought I'd just read you three different stories that are Christmas classics. The stories are Mickey's Christmas Carol, a spin on the novel A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens, Twas the Night Before Christmas by Clement Seymour, told in a way I guarantee you have never heard before, and the biblical passages pertaining to the birth of Jesus found in the Gospels of Matthew and Luke and the prophetic writings of Isaiah and Micah. The first one I'll start with is Mickey's Christmas Carol. But before I begin, I did want to share briefly why it is so special to me. Growing up, it was a staple in our house to always watch Mickey's Christmas Carol. Now, when I was little, DVDs weren't around yet. We had VHSs, and my dad had recorded Mickey's Christmas Carol onto a VHS tape when Disney was on ABC. It was near the end of the tape, so every time we watched it, we had to fast forward for what seemed like forever. But it was always worth it. We all loved how Disney had adapted the story into a humorous, lovable, and extremely quotable film. It is also special to me because of the multiple voice actors who performed in it. Wayne Allwine as Mickey, who plays Bob Cratchit. Alan Young as Scrooge. Hal Smith as Goofy, who plays Jacob Marley. The beloved Clarence Ducky Nash in his final performance as Donald Duck, who plays Scrooge's nephew Fred and one who I can call a personal friend, who sadly just passed away a few short weeks ago. Will Ryan, as the ghost of Christmas present, Willie the Giant, and the ghost of Christmas future, Peg Leg Pete. I would like to dedicate this podcast in his memory. Rest easy, sir. I will forever be grateful for having the chance to perform with you. So till we meet again, happy trails. Well now. I hope you've gotten yourself a cup of hot cocoa, tea, or coffee, and have gotten comfortable because it's time to begin the reading of our first story, Mickey's Christmas Carol. Now, I'll wager 
that you thought I was going to be the one reading it to you. But you'd be mistaken. Your narrator, in fact, is a man by the name of Cornelius Sniper. He's an English gentleman, and he's in his study right now waiting for us at this very moment. He's sitting in a large, comfy chair by the fire, smoking a pipe, and flipping through a large book that has many wondrous stories in it. Come on, let's go and join him and see what he's got in store for us. Hmm. Good evening, Coyle. I was just sitting here enjoying one of my favorite pastimes, smoking a bit of old Toby and reading a classic Christmas tale. Why don't you join me? You and perhaps your little ones. Don't worry, I'll wait for you to get comfortable. My housekeeper, the chipper, Miss Stifo, will be in with a tray of goodies for you all to enjoy shortly. Now that you've gotten all settled in, why don't you just close your eyes and let your imagination turn as you hear the tale of a Christmas carol. One snowy Christmas Eve inside miserly Ebenezer Scrooge's counting house, a cold and weary Bob Cratchit looked up from his leisure. Mr. Scrooge, tomorrow is Christmas, and I was wondering if I could have uh, half a day off. Well, yeah, I suppose, but that'll talk you half a day's pay for it. Well, thank you, sir. You're so kind. Never mind the mushy stuff. Now get back to work, Cratchit. Returning to his own work, Scrooge leafed through his account books. Yeah, now let me see. Uh, Thirty pounds, five shillings from MacDougall, plus his twenty percent interest, compounded regularly. <sighs> money, money, money. Just then. There was a knock on the door, and in walked Scrooge's nephew, Fred. Merry Christmas, little Scrooge! Christmas? Bah! Humbug! Oh, come on, little Scrooge! I've brought you a wolf, and come to invite you to Christmas dinner! Oh, I suppose you're gonna have goose with chestnut dressing? Yep. One pudding with lemon sauce and a big bowl of hot punch, I reckon. Uh-huh. Boy, oh boy. Will you come? Are you daft, man? You know that I can't eat that kind of stuff. But, sir, Christmas is a time for such things and to be with one's family. Christmas, eh? Christmas is a poor excuse to pick a man's pocket every 25th of December. And anyone who goes around with a Merry Christmas on his lips should be boiled in his own pudding and be buried with a stake of holly through his heart. But Fred did bring us a wreath. May I at least hang that on our door? You do, and I'll hang it on you, Cratchit. Fred ignored his uncle's remarks and handed him the wreath anyways. Scrooge snatched it and then jammed it over his nephew's head and kicked him out the door, slamming it shut behind him. A moment later, Fred reappeared and shouted as he placed the wreath on the inside doorknob. Merry 
beef. And a bar humbug to you. Oh, that Fred, so full of kindness. Aye, he always was a little peculiar. And stubborn. The door opened and two men stepped inside, dusting the snow off their jackets as they removed their hats. Customers, I'll handle this cratchit. <clears throat> and uh, what can I do for you two gentlemen on this fine day? Sir, we are soliciting funds for the indigent and the destitute. Eh, uh, for the what? We're collecting for the poor. Eh, uh, uh-huh. uh, well, gentlemen, if you're collecting for the poor, then they wouldn't be poor anymore now, would they? Well, I suppose. And if they're not poor anymore, then you would be out of a job. Oh, please, gentlemen, please don't ask me to put you out of a job. Not on Christmas Eve. Oh, we wouldn't do that, Mr. Scrooge. Well, then, you celebrate Christmas the way you want to, and let me celebrate it in my way. Now, both of you! Scrooge opened the door and hurried the men outside, but before slamming a shut, he threw the wreath at them. What's this world coming to, Cratchit? You work all your life to get yourself some money, and then people just want you to give it away. As Big Ben struck the five o'clock hour, Bob Cratchit closed his books and put on his thin coat and hat. Merry Christmas, Mr. Scrooge. Thank you for the day off. Never mind that. Just be here all the earlier the next day. I will, Mr. Scrooge. So long. And Merry Christmas. A few more hours passed before Scrooge left himself. He took no notice of the crowded streets and the happy people rushing to and fro about him. As he approached his house, the street he lived on was empty. Turning the key in the lock on his door, he suddenly stepped back in horror, for the door knocker took on the appearance of his late partner, Jacob Marley. The face then addressed him mournfully. Scrooge! Jacob Marley? No, 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 that can't be! Carelessly, Scrooge reached up and honked Marley on the nose. Um. Oh, wow! Scrooge then darted inside, terrified. No, no, that can't be. Doorknockers can't speak. It, it must be a figmation of my ambient, I mean a figment of my imagination. Yet the ghost of Jacob Marley passed right through the door, dragging heavy chains. A cold chill ran down Scrooge's spine. His teeth began to chatter. His knees began to knock. He quickly ran for his bedroom and locked the door tight. But the ghost called out to him and passed through that door as well. Scrooge stumbled back, dropped his cane, and then ran to his chair and cowered in fear. Marley halted a moment and then started towards him. However, <coughs> Marley slipped on Scrooge's cane and fell forward with a crash. Scrooge! 
Uh-huh. Gosh, kind of slippery. Scrooge, don't you recognize me? I was your partner, Jacob Marley. Marley, it is you. Ebenezer, remember when I was alive, I robbed the widows and swindled the poor? Aye, and you did it all in the same day. I had class, Jacob. Uh-huh, <laughs> yep. Uh, no, no! I was wrong! And so was punishment. I'm forced to carry these heavy chains through eternity! Maybe even longer. There's no hope. I'm doomed! Doomed! And the same thing will happen to you, Ebenezer Scrooge. No, it, it can't. It mustn't. Help me, Jacob. Tonight... You will be visited by three spirits. Listen to them. Do what they say. Or your chains will be heavier than mine. Farewell, Ebenezer. Whoop. <laughs> Farewell. Nally, watch out for that first. Step. Later that night, Scrooge searched his rooms, then shook off the notion of visiting spirits, blew out the candle, and climbed into bed, and drifted off to sleep. When the hour reached 1am, a small little figure appeared and hopped through the room. Hopping up onto the nightstand, he rang the little bell. Scrooge started awake and looked out bleary-eyed through his bed curtains. <laughs> Who's there? Well... It's about time. Huh? Huh? And who might you be? I'm the ghost of Christmas past. Now come on, Scrooge. It's time to go. Go where, spirit? We're going to go visit your past. The ghost opened the window and a blast of cold air filled the room. I can't go out there. I'll fall. Just hold on. Whoop. Not too tight now. And with that, the two flew out over the darkened city. When they landed mere moments later, they were outside a building that was very familiar to Scrooge. Spirit, this is old Mr. Fezziwig's store. Oh, I couldn't have worked for a kinder man. It's the annual Christmas party too, with all of my dearest friends there. And look at that shy lad in the corner. That's me. Yes. That was before you became a miserable miser, consumed by greed. But nobody's perfect. And look, there's lovely Isabel. Oh, I remember how much I was in love with her. Just then, the spirit snapped his fingers, and with a blink of an eye, they moved to another familiar place, known to Scrooge. Why, it's my curtain house. The two watched as Isabel meekly approached Scrooge, who was busy at his desk, counting a huge stack of coins. 9,972, and 9,000... Ebenezer, for years I've had this honeymoon cottage. I've been waiting for you to keep your promise to marry me. Now I must know, have you made your decision? I have. Your last payment on the cottage was an hour late, and for closing the mortgage. Isabel turned away in tears. Scrooge shuddered as he remembered his coldness of heart 
to the one he had loved most. Please, spirit, don't show me anymore. Take me home. Remember, Scrooge, you loved your gold more than that precious creature, and you lost her forever. You fashioned these memories yourself. Scrooge looked up. He was suddenly back in his own room, in his own bed. Covering his eyes, he bemoaned his past. Oh, why was I so foolish? Why? Why? Suddenly, a bright light flooded his room. Timidly, he peeked out through the curtain and stared in amazement at what he saw next. A giant sat there, and as he looked on, the giant spoke. Fee! Fie! Foo! Fum! I smell! I mean, I smell! He then noticed Scrooge peeking out and came in for a closer look. Scrooge closed the curtains in shocked disbelief. When he reopened them a moment later, all he saw was the giant's eyeball. A stingy little Englishman. I think I do. <laughs> yeah, I do. Oh, please, let me go. Don't eat me. Why would the ghost of Christmas present, that's me, want to eat a distasteful little miser like you? Uh, especially when there's so many good things to enjoy in life. See? Oh, mince pies, turkeys, suckling pig. Uh, and don't forget the chocolate pot roast with the smash you. With the smash you. With with yogurt. But where did all this come from? From the heart, Scrooge. It's the food of generosity. Something you have long denied your fellow man. Come on now, Scrooge. We must be on our way. The ghost then picked Scrooge up and dropped him into his pocket. Then, lifting up the roof of Scrooge's house, he climbed out, and then as quietly as only a ghostly giant could, he walked through the city of London. Moments later, they were in a poorer section of the city. The ghost plopped down and pushed Scrooge up against the window. Spirit, why did you bring me to the soul shack? This is the home of your overworked, underpaid employee, Bob Cratchit. Scrooge watched as the Cratchit family gathered around the table. Young Tiny Tim looked happily on as his mother brought their feast over to the table. When Scrooge saw how tiny the bird they had was, he asked the spirit, What did you cook? A canary? What would you expect with the meager wage you bestow on Bob? Two shillings a day. The house was filled with joy as Bob began to serve dinner. Before they ate though, they blessed it. And then Bob said, And let's not forget the man who made this glorious feast possible. Mr. Scrooge! And God blesses everyone. Ebenezer felt something he hadn't felt for a very long, long time. He felt pity and sympathy for the boy. He hadn't felt that since he was a young child himself. He also felt a pang of guilt, for he knew how much his father made, as it was he who paid his father. He looked up and was going to ask the ghost of Christmas present a question, but when he did so, the giant was gone. Scrooge looked around and then noticed a dark, shrouded figure standing near him. Timidly, Scrooge approached. Are you the ghost of Christmas future? The figure nodded. Scrooge gulped. 
He turned back to the Cratchit cottage, hoping to feel the happiness he had felt watching the family enjoy their meagre dinner. But when he did so, the house was dark, and somehow looked sad and dreary. Approaching the window, he peered inside again. He saw the family sitting around the table, but instead of being happy, they were... he saw they were all sad. The chair that Tiny Tim had once occupied was empty. Spirit, what does this mean? The spirit didn't answer, but suddenly they were standing in a graveyard, and Scrooge saw Cratchit tearfully walking away from a small grave on the slope. No, no, I didn't want this to be. I wanted Tiny Tim to get well. That sweet darling boy. Tell me, spirit, these events can yet be changed. Again, the spirit didn't answer, but merely pointed to another part of the cemetery, where two gravediggers were about their ghoulish occupation. Scrooge watched as the diggers tossed in a shovelful of dirt. Well, Annabelle does it. You know, I've never seen a funeral like this one. Hey, no mourners, no friends to bid him farewell. Not even the undertaker shed a tear. Well, let's go have us a nightcap before we finish. There's no rush, after all. I ain't going nowhere. The two diggers walked off laughing. As they departed, Scrooge crept up to the grave and peered down. Then, looking up at the ghost, he asked timidly, Spirit, whose lonely grave is this? The ghost struck a match, and as he lit his unused cigar, his hood came off and then with the flame, illuminated the name on the headstone. Why, yours, Ebenezer, the richest man in the cemetery! As the ghost continued laughing, Scrooge slipped and fell into the grave. Grabbing onto some roots, he exclaimed, No, I don't want my life to end this way. I want another chance. Spirit, I'll change my ways. I'll change. I'll change. Scrooge fell to the floor, wrestling with his bed curtains. Spirit, let me out. Let me out. I'll... Eh? I'm back in my own room. It must be. Yes, it is. It's Christmas morning. Yes, I can be a new man. I will honour Christmas in my heart and keep it all year long. I will. I will. Scrooge hurried to the window and flung it open. Filling his lungs with the cold, crisp air, he yelled for all to hear. Merry Christmas to one and all. <sighs> and what a glorious Christmas morning it is, too. After he dressed, he hurried downstairs and sped out the door. The two men, who had tried collecting alms from him the day before, just happened to be walking past. Ah, uh, good morning to you, gentlemen. Merry Christmas. I have a little something for you. Here you are. Scrooge placed several bags of coins into their hands. One hundred gold pieces, and not a penny more! Ta-ta-ta! Oh, thank you, Mr. Scrooge, and a Merry Christmas to you! As Scrooge hurried down the street, he bumped into his nephew Fred. Ah, nephew! I 
I'm looking forward to that wonderful meal of yours. Fred looked dumbfoundedly at his horse. Of course, Sam! You know how much I love candied fruits with spice sugar cakes. I'll be over promptly at two. I keep it piping hot. <laughs> Scrooge started off and then turned back gleefully and said, Oh, and one other thing, nephew. Merry Christmas to you. Scrooge hurriedly bought presents and a turkey at stalls and then sped through the city till he reached the Cratchit house. Knocking on the door, he put back on his gruff exterior and replaced his smile with a scowl. At least he tried. The door opened and Cratchit looked out, stunned to see Mr. Scrooge standing there. M- M- Mr. Scrooge, what are you doing here? I've come to declare something to you, Cratchit, and it was something that simply could not wait. Well, won't you come in? Scrooge stepped inside and made himself appear larger. Cratchit, like I said, I've made the decision. I've had enough of this half-day-off nonsense. But, Mr. Scrooge, it's Christmas Day. I'm afraid you've left me with no alternative but to give you... Give you... You leave me with no alternative, Bob, but to give you a raise. I'll make you my partner, if you wish. A a partner? Oh, Mr. Scrooge! Scrooge then opened the large sack he had brought and placed a turkey into Mrs. Cratchit's hands. Then he picked up Tiny Tim and laughed. As the other children started pulling out their toys they had brought in the sack, he laughed even harder. <laughs> hey, and we'll take good care of you, Tiny Tim. <laughs> and before long, why, you'll be as fit as a fiddle. <laughs> Bob wiped tears of joy from his eyes. Then, grabbing his own rocking chair, he brought it over to Mr. Scrooge and joined his wife and kids close by. Oh, thank you, Mr. Scrooge, and Merry Christmas. Scrooge looked up, and a happy tear of his own trickled down his old weary face. Merry Christmas, Bob. I've got a fascinating tale to tell you, but it can wait until tomorrow. He then wrapped Tiny Tim in his arms, who then joyfully cried, And God blesses everyone! Now, let it be said thereafter that no one ever kept Christmas as well as Ebenezer Scrooge. Merry Christmas to you and yours. The End Ah, now wasn't that an entertaining story? One of my favorite pieces of literature. It's the kind of story where if you're enveloped enough into it, you can hear the characters' voices speak for themselves. Oh, good gracious me. I can't believe the time has passed so quickly. I almost missed one of my favorite reruns of a classic show I enjoy watching on the television. Oh, Mrs. Defoe, do stop whatever it is you're doing and come in here. The show has already started. I know it's one of your favorite moments as well.
Hmm. Nothing beats this classic Christmas episode of Gunsmoke. Festus and Doc are at their finest, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Let me turn up the volume for us. Ah, there we go. Oh, Miss Kitty, Matthew, Doc, I say, bring me a beer, bring all of us a beer. Merry Christmas, Festus. Well, thank you, Matthew. I, I want to wish all of you a Merry Christmas too now. Merry Christmas. Oh, it's, uh, it's uh, mighty nice here, Festus. Uh, have you got any plans for the rest of the day? Well, now that you mention it, uh, I do have one thing I was hoping to do on it with all of you, too. Uh, well, what's that, Festus? Well, I wanted to recite to you a little story that's been passed down from Hagen to Hagen for nine or five generations or such. It's a poem that my granddaddy Hog Hagen first recited to me back when I was just a little tyke. Well, what's the title of it? Twas the Night Before Christmas. You know Twas the Night Before Christmas? Course I knows the night before Christmas. I ain't an idiot. That remains yet to be seen. But I find the fact that you know Twas the Night Before Christmas highly improbable. What's that mean? Not likely. Oh, well, now, you listen here, you old scuttered. I don't have to take any of that, especially on Christmas. It's a day to be happy, not bicker about nothing or nobody. Oh, hush up. I'm just surprised is all. Twice the night before Christmas happens to be a very famous poem, and I just so happen to have it right here in this book. You mean I have it in a book? I thought it was just passed down word of mouth. Well, like I said, it's a very famous poem, and it didn't come from the backwoods region neither. It was actually published back in 1823, back when I was just a kid. It's hard to believe you being anything but a cantankerous old coot. Well, this old coot can still whoop the tar out of you. Now, now, let's keep the day cheerful. Well, nothing would make me more cheerful than to knock some sense into that old head of his. Sometimes the feeling is mutual, but let's not worry about that now. Why don't you, uh, why don't you just, you know, recite what you remember from what your grandfather is telling you? Well, well, thank you, Doc. Well, let me just get a sip of this here beer first, and, and then I'll begin. <clears throat> Twas the night before Christmas, when all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The youngest were all snug in their beds with dreams of moonshine in their heads. Hold it! Wait just a minute. Are you sure that's how it goes? That's the way my granddaddy put it. Now, if you just sit back and listen for a while, it won't make sense. Festus, I can't do that because you're already messing up the poem. Now, I'll tell you what. I'll read it aloud instead. I'm sure it'll make better sense of what your grandfather remembered. Let me just put on my glasses and uh, find where it's at. Ah, here it is. "'Twas the Night Before Christmas by Clement Seymour. Who's that? The author. Well, what kind of name is Seymour? Not Seymour. C. Moore. C was his middle initial. Oh, seems kind of weird putting that in like that. Well, it helps separate him from other authors who might share the same name. Now, just be quiet for a few moments if you think that's possible. Twas the night before Christmas when all through the house not a creature was stirring, 
not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care, in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. The children were nestled all snug in their beds, while visions of sugar plums danced in their heads. What sugar plums? It's a type of candied fruit. Now shut up. All right. And Mama and her kerchief and I and my cap had just settled our brains for a long winter's nap. When out on the lawn there arose such a clatter, I sprang from the bed to see what was the matter. Away to the window I flew like a flash, tore open the shutters, and threw up the sash. The moon on a breast of new-fallen snow gave the luster of midday to objects below, when what to my wondering eyes should appear but a miniature sleigh and eight tiny reindeer. With a little old driver so lively and quick, I knew in a moment it must be St. Nick. More rapid than eagles his coursers they came, and he whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now Dasher, now Dancer, now Prancer and Vixen. On Comet, on Cupid, on Donder and Blitzen. To the top of the porch, to the top of the wall, now dash away, dash away, dash away all. Oi, wait a minute, that's not the name of the reindeer that I was told. Somehow that does not surprise me. Now be quiet, I'm still reading. Oh, fiddle, fiddle, you know, buzzer you. As dry leaves that before the wild hurricane fly, when they meet with an obstacle, mount to the sky. So up to the housetop the coursers they flew, with a sleigh full of toys and St. Nicholas too. And then in a twinkling I heard on the roof the prancing and pawing of each little hoof. As I drew in my head and was turning around, down the chimney St. Nicholas came with a bound. He was dressed all in fur from his head to his foot, and his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot. Now that sounds like what a hygen would wire. <clears throat> a bundle of toys he had flung on his back, and he looked like a peddler just opening his pack. His eyes how they twinkled, his dimples how merry. His cheeks were like roses, his nose like a cherry. His droll little mouth was drawn up like a bowl, and the beard of his chin was as white as the snow. Sounds like your mustache. <clears throat> the stump of a pipe he held tight in his teeth, and the smoke encircled his head like a wreath. He had a broad face and a little round belly that shook when he laughed like a bowl full of jelly. He was chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf, and I laughed when I saw him in spite of myself. A wink of his eye and a twist of his head soon gave me to know I had nothing to dread. He spoke not a word, but went straight to his work, and filled all the stockings, and then turned with a jerk. And laying his finger aside of his nose, and giving a nod up the chimney, he rose. He sprang to his sleigh, to his team gave a whistle, and away they all flew like the down of a thistle. What's thistle? Be quiet, Fistus. Well, but I heard him exclaim ere he drove out of sight, Happy Christmas to all, and to all a good night. Well, uh, that was quite nice, Doc. Thank you. Sure was. Gave me a nice warm feeling. Thank you. Merry Christmas, Doc. Well, I gotta say, Doc, it sure was different from what my granddaddy told us. I guess there were a few things he must have forgot along the way. Uh, I sure do appreciate you reading that dire poem to us. Sorry I kept on interrupting you. I was not really showing off my manners. Well, I was happy to do it, Matt Festus. It was one of my favorite pastimes, you know, reading Christmas poetry. Of course, you know, the greatest form of Christmas literature is reading the biblical account. Yeah, sure is. Say, what, what, what time is it, Doc? It's about quarter to five. Why? 
Then the preacher saw he was going to have another service this evening, right around 5 o'clock. I think I remember him saying that, yes. Well, then why don't we just go on down to the church and listen to that story again? I know we heard it all last night, but I wouldn't mind hearing it again, especially now that there's... Light snow falling. What do you say? Well, I, uh, I don't see a problem with that. How about it, Matt? Kitty? Sam? Well, then, let's hurry along. Preacher don't stop for nobody. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas, Doc, you old scuttered. Merry Christmas, Festus. <laughs> I still think you've got some, uh, loose, um, We'll, we'll forget about that now. Loose what? Oh, never mind. Oh, wait a minute, dog. If I, I want to know what you mean by lo- what loose things. If I go to, if I got loose things in my head, or is my shin strap loose on the old mule? Mr. Sundalk, I always know how to make an exit, wouldn't you agree, Mr. DeVoe? <laughs> Mr. DeVoe? Hmm. I wonder where she went to. Oh, well. Better stoke this fire up. Ah, there we are. And while I'm up, I might as well refill my pipe. Now, who on earth could that be? Hiya, Corny! <laughs> Merry Christmas! Oh, good gracious me. I should have realized it was you coming over. <laughs> Only you would ride over five miles on horseback in this weather. <laughs> but I'm glad you did. Merry Christmas, snowman. Come on in by the fire and take a seat. Alright, I got it. Now what do I do with it? <clears throat> you and your idiotic pans. Now shut that chair down and sit in it before I clunk you like you rightly deserve. <laughs> I couldn't resist that one. <laughs> Mr. Bear, would you please bring in all of us something hot to drink? It's been quite frigid outside. And we don't want our guest to turn into his nickname, do we? <laughs> Oh, you'd like that, wouldn't you? Well, I can only hope. But in the spirit of Christmas, I shall restrain myself. Uh, I appreciate that. Hey, did you catch that Gunsmoke episode, Corny? I did. Most enjoyable. Don't call me Corny. It sounds so... Yeah, never mind. Anyway, I truly love how Doc and Festus bicker back and forth. Exactamundo. As soon as it ended, I hopped on old Smokey and came over. But it just ended not more than five minutes ago. How did you get here so fast? Special effects. 
Delightful. Mrs. Defoe, you've really outdone yourself with the rum toddies this year. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Say, uh, Corny, do you happen to have a spare pipe? I think I left mine in my other jacket. I think that would taste marvelous after such a delightful drink that we just enjoyed. Oh, yes indeed. Here you go. Uh, which flavor would you prefer? Well, how about we go along with the season? Got any Christmas spice? Indubitably. Mm. Nothing beats this. Well, what uh, what shall we do now? I know just the thing. But why don't you do it, Snowman? Why don't why don't I do what? Well, I read the scriptural account of the Christmas story of yeah, but how about this year you do it? Would you be willing? Oh, I'd be happy to, Corny. Thank you. Yes, I'd be happy to. Excellent. And don't call me Corny. Sure thing, Corny. <laughs> now where's your big Bible? Right here. And oh. Ha <laughs> ha! I won the battle this time. All right, let's see here. Ah, here we are. Uh, uh, where where should I start? With the prophecies or battles coming, or conclude with them? I tell you what. Why don't you read the passages from Isaiah seven and Micah five, and then read the Christmas story itself? And then conclude with Isaiah chapter 9. Alright. You ready? Uh, This is uh, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. And then, Micah 5, 2 says, But as for you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, who is coming forth as from of old, from ancient days. Wonderful. Now, if you will just flip on over and read the passages of Luke and Matthew, that would be splendid. All right, sure will. Uh, Let me just take a quick sip here. All right, here we are. This is Luke, chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. 
And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quinarius was governor of Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were, in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with an angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was, when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem, and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now, when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told to them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told to them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen and heard, as it was told them. And now, Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 15. Hey, uh, this is your favorite part, isn't it, Corny? Indubitably. Most indubitably. All right. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was deeply troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet Micah, But as for you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, and the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler, who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, who had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me, that I may come and worship him as well. When they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, 
frankincense, and myrrh. Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Get up, take the child and his mother, and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to try and kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. That was simply splendid. Simply splendid. Uh, now, if you would conclude with Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. That's, that's it. Uh, gives me a nice warm feeling reading that. I want to thank you, Corny, for giving me the opportunity. Snowman, the pleasure was all mine. Thank you. Merry Christmas. And that will do it for this episode of the Snowman Podcast. I would like to thank you all for listening. I really hope you enjoyed the stories you heard today. If you would like to hear Mickey's Christmas Carol apart from the podcast, you can. Just visit my YouTube page, Snowman Vocals, and you will find it there in the playlist Dramatic Readings. The same goes for the reading of Twas the Night Before Christmas, Gunsmoke Edition. I also would like to announce that this is the season finale of the first season of the Snowman Podcast. In just about 10 months or so, I've produced 24 episodes, each one improving more along the way. I've had a blast producing them, and I look forward to producing more in Season 2 in the new year, which should begin about mid-February or so. So stay tuned. I've got a lot of great ideas planned and lots of more great interviews to share with you. As for this episode, I want to thank you again for listening. Please share with your family and friends, especially if they have kids, as I think they will enjoy this episode the most. You can find me on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube. As I always say, all you got to do is type in the Snowman Podcast and look for an American flag with a snowman in the foreground. Till next time, this is Snowman, and I'll see you now, yeah? How does Christmas Day end? With a Y, of course. All right, all right. (laughs) Merry Christmas, everyone. And Happy New Year.